Welcome to Linden Pride Walks. I am Delina P. Scales. This series is developed by Active Linden, the Columbus Care Coalition, and the Department of Neighborhoods to share stories of resilience in our community and promote walking as a way to stay physically and mentally healthy. It's our hope that these stories can accompany you as you take a stroll through your neighborhood and community. Listen to the words of community members and hear their stories. Each episode focuses on a resilience factor, a certain characteristic that promotes self-understanding and success in life. For this episode, Pastor Vince Ford shares his story and path to discovering affiliations. Linda has more than 50 churches and more often than not, the pastor and members don't live in Linden. It is often felt by residents that churchgoers drive in for service and leave after service. This was not the case for Pastor Ford. Days after he relocated to Christ of Genesee Avenue, located in South Linden from Texas, he reached out to connect with people and organizations who shared his passions. His work now expands beyond Linden to Mifflin High School, where he mentors youth. His passion and commitment to Linden is deeply rooted in affiliations and community inclusion. WOSU multimedia producer, Leticia Wiggins met him in a local park and asked him to share more. So we're gathering, we're meeting here to talk a little bit about what affiliation is, mm. right? And what it means to be a part of something how that can benefit you and you can work as a whole to kind of achieve great things, right? Right. And you kind of identified this as something that's really important to you. Um, so to start, who are you? <laughs> wow, um, that's a great question. Uh, first and foremost, you know, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm a father, uh, I'm a husband, uh, I'm a black man, I'm a Christian, I'm a preacher. Um, the, these are things that I feel like I, I am, not necessarily what I do. I think it's a big difference, right? Do you mind like going into that a little bit more? Yeah, because, uh, you know, we, we look at life a lot of times of, you know, oh, I got to do this today. I got to do this today. Um, not necessarily looking at things from the perspective of this is who I am. So this encompasses what I've been called to do. Um, I believe I've been called to be a father. I've been called to be a preacher. I've been called to be a husband. Um, and being in those spaces, the things that I have to do, put up with, and or get to accomplish, you know, are essentially, you know, they're blessings. They're, they're, they're gifts, um, you know. And, and, and first and foremost, you know, as far as, you know, me being these things, um, it kind of sheds light on, the responsibilities that I have every day too. I was just gonna say these identities can be kind of like a blessing but I think it's tough when we find them to be kind of heavy too. Yeah identities are heavy. We live in a society um, in some regard that wants to be identity less if you will. Right right yeah. Right? So um, which you know to each his own right and, I, and I'm perfectly fine with you know making space uh, to whatever you choose to identify as, or for the lack of better terms, um, reject, right? Uh, and so, and, and, and that, that's fine, you know, but I, I believe that, you know, we do live in a society that 
uh, allows individuals to be themselves. Um, and so, you know, I'm hoping that, that our country, I'm hoping that our, our neighborhoods, I'm hoping that um, society makes space for the things that I identify as as well. Um, I think that's where we are um, as, a, as, a, as a society, as a community. Um, you know, it's just kind of interesting uh, to be doing this interview on today, right? Uh, and, you know, I'm constantly reminded of who I am, right? You know, the Breonna Taylor case, regardless of what side of the fence you're on, you know, that is a reminder for me of who I am as a man, right? Uh, not only as a man, but a black man, not only as a black man, but also the son of a police officer who served 32 years in the city of Dallas, the state of Texas. Uh, my father was a cop for a very long time. Uh, my father worked on, um, when, when George Bush was president, George W. Bush was president, my father was on the security detail. Uh, so law enforcement is extremely important to me, right? Um, but, you know, we're talking about affiliations, right? Um, and <laughs> being a black man is an affiliation, if you will. Um, and, you know, people can take that for what it's worth or whatever they want to take it as. Uh, but for me, it's a constant reminder of my neighborhood, this country, um, and who I am inside of my home. Yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking about this, too, and initially when you introduced yourself and you have, you know, your identities that you list out, and it's like a reminder that we're all multi-layered. There's right. so much to each of us, right? Right. And what you're saying now is, like, there are, are things that others might view as almost like contradictions, mm -hmm. it seems. I'm curious to thinking about affiliations and how we weigh them. That's 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 a great question slash comment slash thought-provoking response. <laughs> um, you know, I, I thought about it because when it comes to affiliations, people have the ability to speak their affiliations and they also have the ability to show their affiliations in a number of ways. That's how layered it is, right? Um, you know, obviously people will be listening to this so they can't necessarily see uh, what I have on. Um, but, you know, like this hat in Columbus is just, you know, a L.A. Dodgers hat, right? But in the neighborhood that my best friend Alvin grew up in, in South Central, it's not just an L.A. Dodgers hat, right? This hat speaks to affiliation. Um, and in some regard, in our community, when we talk about affiliation um, in casual conversation, it's not always a positive thing, mm -hmm. right? Uh, but when we peel back the layers and we think about it, every person has an affiliation to some, to something, somebody, some group, uh, no matter who you are, that shapes who you are. Um, and, and like you said, it's multi-layered, right? Like we talked about, you know, initially before we kind of got into this, there's affiliation, like, you know, you grew up in a place that I'm familiar with, right? Overall culture, right? I've never been to that city, but I understand, right? I, I know what it's like to live in California. I know that it's a different pace, you know, it's a different culture, right? And those affiliations with living on the Western part of the country, it shapes who you are. It totally does. And that was something where I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of Cali girl. Yeah. <laughs> People always comment, you know, when I first uh, moved out here and started at Ohio State, they're like, you have that Valley Girl accent, you uh -huh. know? And that was like something, but it is a different kind of culture, and it was cool to see, like, you understand that, yeah. you know? Like, you have your L.A. Dodgers hat on. You kind of get the vibe. You, you came from the West in a lot of ways. I'm kind of curious 
too about your movement and you kind of got into this a little bit but your journey to Columbus and thinking about affiliations here in the city in this community yeah uh it's, it's almost like that phrase that adage like get in where you fit in right um so I'm not new to ministry I'm not new to community work at the end of the day a lot of cities are constructed the same way right um, whether that's socioeconomically, um, whether that's, um, you know, racially, um, whether that's as far as public school system are concerned, many of those things don't necessarily change too much. Uh, and so, you know, I, I knew, I knew what surfaces to scratch, right? Mm. Um, because, you know, I had been, you know, a part of ministry for a long time in Phoenix. I'd done a lot of community work. In Phoenix, I taught school, um, you know, even even worked um, social services for a little while. And so, you know, I, I knew where I wanted to fit in, but I didn't necessarily know the people. So um, when moving here, it was almost a sense of, all right, you know, you see something that may be of interest in the community, go to it, introduce yourself, network, uh, build the relationship. So the goal wasn't necessarily making a name but more so building a relationship. The name doesn't necessarily matter, right? Um, because I believe that, you know, doing doing things for God, he gets the glory, he'll exalt me in due time. But from my perspective, just wanting to serve my people, serve the community, um, I just wanted to build relationships, whether that's with kids at a high school, elementary school, middle school, whether that's, uh, you know, different organizations that I've been able to work with, um, people that I've met how, how can I just help this community become better I don't know that's like a special thing that comes from the heart right like that want to like to change and it seems like you really have that drive within you and I'm kind of curious about other things in addition to that drive like talents that you think help you network so it's like somebody because I mean as somebody who's kind of shy in a lot of ways like I found it really hard to kind of find friends at first in a new place mm -hmm. and thinking about affiliations in that way too so I'm kind of just curious if you have any recommendations or of your own kind of talents. Uh, man, talents. You know, talents really prepare you for a number of things. Um, you know, I believe that I do, I have been blessed with the talent to speak in front of large groups. Right? Which is hard. That's not everybody has that. You it's know? not. Yeah. But on the flip side of that, you put me in front of a room, in front of, a few hundred people or however many people I'm fine uh, but walking up to a person one-on-one -on -one and striking up conversation is quite difficult for me that's so surprising yeah very very yeah. very difficult um, oftentimes I can even seem shy standoffish it's not intentional by any means it's just you know everybody wants to make an impression right and you, you know first impressions mean the world so uh, but as far as talents are concerned, um, there's a sense of affiliation. Like I feel like, you know, growing up and, and, and throwing the shot put, um, track and field, throwing the shot put in the, at the college level, understanding what a team is, understanding that you're, you know, if you want to, like the old adage says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, you got to go with others. Uh, and so being a part of a team has always been important to me um, and athletic ability allotted to that 
Um, and just, you know, there's a number of talents um, that I really hone into, um, you know, whether that's writing, uh, whether that's poetry or, you know, uh, working on, you know, blogs that I send out to various individuals. You know, I've just been blessed, I believe, to be okay with being creative in whatever way you want to be creative. Um, because there's always, I think there's always space for connection um, and belonging if you're a creator and if you like to create. Um, you know, I mean, I believe creativity probably brought you here. Right? I think that's completely fair. Yeah, there's <laughs> a want for that. No, I'm like nodding because I'm like, I, I understand that completely. And sometimes just following that bug to make something and uh, that might help somebody is kind of what gets that motivation out there and what makes you less afraid to maybe approach someone, right? Absolutely. So I see you kind of using your creativity and art to really connect. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know... Um, <laughs> everything is like pre-COVID and after COVID, right? Yeah. So pre-COVID, you know, um, you know, I, I found a, a group that was doing the Maroon Arts Group. They were doing these uh, open mics, um, and I actually kind of just like stumbled upon it uh, accidentally. I was working on a sermon at a coffee shop, uh-huh. and the coffee shop closed at seven, and it's like six forty, and I'm like trying to finish. You know, just so I can go home and not have to worry about picking up my laptop. And I'm, I'm sitting there and I see this guy bring in two speakers, two like monitors and DJ equipment. What's about to go on here? So I ask, like, hey, uh, what, what are y'all, y'all going to be doing here? And he was like, oh, man, you know, it's this open mic. You know, he's like, stick around. So then they asked for poets. I was like, I'm not going to do it. So then I called my wife and she was like, you should do it. Just, you know, you got plenty of poems. Just go up there and read something. And so I did. And, and it, you know, it was, it was, um, it was really cool because, you know, you, I was affiliated with that space in Phoenix, right? Mm. That art space. Cause I knew people in that space living there for eight years and then moving here after being here for about like four months, it was like, man, like where, where's all the. I know the city has to have an artist scene, you know, something, you know, whether it's poetry or art or something, right? Um, and, uh, you know, it's just kind of funny how sometimes you just kind of stumble upon things. Um, not necessarily haphazardly because I, I believe that, you know, all steps are directed, but nonetheless, you know, the right place at the right time. Um, so, you know, that's how I've kind of seen my talents um, allow me the space to even meet new people in that regard too. Do you mind me asking a little bit about the poem you read? Yeah. Um, and how did you decide on what to <laughs> read to a room full of strangers? Man, it's kind of funny, too, because this poem like actually deals with identity. Really? Right. Yeah, because, um, um, you know, I, I dove down this rabbit hole on Ancestry.com because I just really had a lot of questions. You know, my, uh, my, my grandfather passed in 2014, uh, my, my dad's dad, and my mom's dad, you know, he died when she was 19, and so um, not really necessarily knowing my lineage. My, you know, you hear older people, you know, bring up things, talk about folks. You see pictures, but you just don't never know. So I got on Ancestry.com, spent a lot of time digging through things, um, and it was just really about my identity um, and just how, you know, just like the history of this country, um, you know, hasn't necessarily made space 
uh, for black folks to really understand where we come from. Um, you know, because there's like a, this brick wall, essentially by the name of slavery, right? Because people didn't have identification, people didn't have birth certificates. You know, people came from, you know, different parts of Africa and, and nobody knew various things. And so that poem just kind of spurred from that. Um, and then also just talking about too, what kind of was in that poem too, was like, you know, um, uh, the history of health in my family. Right. You know, because sometimes I'll be going through something like health wise or I'll go to the doctor and he'll tell me, hey, this, this, this and this. And then I'll talk to my dad about it. He'll be like, oh, yeah, you know, your grandfather had that or, oh, yeah, I've dealt with that. Right. But when we don't have those conversations, we don't necessarily know what to prepare for. Right. Because these are things that we don't necessarily talk about. Um, you know, I mean, even like if you think about this community, um, if you think about where the church is, like right in Linden, um, you, you, you'll see like disparities um, of of life expectancy based on like zip code right and a lot of that is based on the you know based on our belonging our affiliations do we have a doctor to go to do we have a primary health care physician every time that we get sick do we just go to the hospital or can we set an appointment with our doctor and a lot of these things um, are not readily available for people and when they're not readily available um, it's really hard to prepare um, for things that may fall into your lap I feel like it's so, this like whole conversation is like so amazing because it's going so like internal and personal and then big again, right? Mm -hmm. Just to kind of speak to that importance of belonging and surroundings and how the ways that we're affiliated and community really plays into this a lot. Um, since you brought up the church, I was wondering if you mind telling me a little bit more about it and yeah. where, where it's situated in Linden and yeah. kind of how like the, maybe the process of you coming to find the church or being becoming a part of it as well. Absolutely. So uh, the church, Genesee, uh, the church is on Genesee Avenue in Joyce. It's the Church of Christ at Genesee Avenue. Um, we're right um, at Genesee Avenue in Joyce, a little bit past uh, Cleveland Avenue. Like literally, I could probably, uh, you know, throw a rocket hit Cleveland Avenue from the church. Um, there's a lot of things, a lot of uh, uh, things in that in that area, right? You know, I eat lunch quite a bit at uh, Enos the Caribbean cafe over there. Um, you know, just various things in the, in the area of Linden, man, that I find myself taking part in. Um, how I got, it's kind of interesting because you make impressions even when you don't know that you're making impressions. So when I was in Phoenix, uh, my first assignment as a senior minister, um, was at a church in Phoenix. And one of my praise and worship leaders uh, that ended up moving to Phoenix was from Columbus, Ohio. Now, him being from Columbus, Ohio, um, didn't necessarily put two and two together at the time, right? Uh, but upon moving here, everything makes sense, right? I befriended him. We became very close friends. Um, and so when that assignment ended, in Phoenix, it was interesting that uh, the preacher uh, that reached out to me was the preacher at the church he grew up at that happens to be the Church of Christ of Genesee Avenue, right? And so the preacher at the time, Clyde Sales, he was like, hey, I'm retiring in a couple of years. You know, if you, you know, if you want to put your name in the hat, you know, send me your resume. Now in, 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 in preacher culture, pastor culture, preachers say that all the time, right? They say, oh, I'm 
done a couple years, five, ten years later, they're still still at the helm. Uh, and, you know, it was May of 2018. Um, they reached out, um, asked if I would consider coming up and interviewing. You know, not necessarily any promises were made, but, you know, it was like, hey, why not? Go see. Go check it out. Go see. Came up here for an interview. Things went pretty well. They brought me and my wife back up about four months later um, and extended uh, the position to us. Um, and it's interesting because this community is a community that, again, it just resembles everything that is me. Um, the Linda community, if, if, I, if I put you on a plane and I blindfolded you and I, and I didn't tell you where we were going, right, and you grew up in Linden, and I dropped you off in West Dallas, where my grandmother lives, you, you, you wouldn't even know that you were in a different place, right? The houses look the same, the community looks the same. Um, you know, some of the negativity of, 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 of each community are the same, but some of the positivity of the community are the same, right? My grandmother's owned her home in West Dallas for over 40 years, right? She's, that's, that's her home. She loves that community, right? through all the crime, through all the police sirens, through all of the um, the homicides, right? It's her community. And and it's people like that that make communities better. It's people like that that make you want to take care of the community and reach back into the community. And so coming here just fit. It fit. And it was like it made sense, right? And I, and I knew that, you know, I had some work to do, right? I'm new. I'm an outsider. I get it. I didn't grow up in this area, but I know what it's like to grow up in this area, right? Um, and I believe people can hear that when they talk to you, when they speak to you, um, when they uh, spend time with you. Um, and, and I believe that's what relationship building is all about, right? I, I imagine, you know, you can probably meet somebody um, and y'all get to talking and you're like, eh. Are you from Northern California, right? You know, like, I'll meet somebody and we'll talk. And I'm like, man, where are you from? And they'll say, oh, I'm from this part of town. I thought you were from Texas, right? That's where I grew up. Mm -hmm. So affiliation works that way. Um, because in some regard, many affiliations are the same. Is it almost like about seeing yourself in other people in I, a way? I, I, I believe it is. Yeah. I believe it's, it's, it's seeing yourself in other people. Um, and I also believe that it's considering other people, too. Mm. Yeah, that's an important addition, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, like, if, you know, serving in the community, you know, is, is not only a, a, a command, you know, by God, in my context, right, to, um, you know, provide for the homeless, to look after the widow, to take care of the orphan, um, to, to, to extend grace and mercy to the fatherless. Like, these are things that are that are commanded, right? These are things that are, that, that's what justice is. Mm -hmm. That's what justice is, right? Is, 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 is being there for the people who don't have the resources that they need or don't know that the resources are there. Um, and, and there's a statement that kind of just, you know, rewinds in my mind all the time that, hey, if, if the church closed its doors today, would, would the community miss us? Would they know that we were gone? Um, and. And, and that, that has to be a motivating factor of why we do what we do. I'm also sort of curious, you know, you seem like you're so sure of your identity and like affiliations in this way. 
and I think a lot of people sometimes feel challenged by that. I'm just wondering if there's a time you've ever felt that you've been challenged by it and, and how you got out of that sort of challenge to maybe find your affiliations. Great question. Um, during my first ministry assignment, um, I felt like I was challenged with that, especially when people that you affiliate with treat you worse than the, 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 the people that don't belong to your context, mm. right? When you're treated bad by people that you belong, that you think you, you belong part, to, right, right. right? That'll make you question your identity, right? If, 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 if I've experienced church hurt and I've never processed that, right? I, I, I'm affiliated with the church. So now I have a choice, right? So do I throw this blanket of grief, frustration, and anger on top of everything church or do I peel back the layers and reflect and look at okay everybody's not like that right and so you know I, I believe that you know going through a number of things um, within the groups that I've been affiliated with have challenged me to make a decision to identify um, on my own you know, regardless of anybody, you know, regardless of if I'm, you know, the, the most popular guy in the room or the most hated guy in the room, right? To know that, you know, my affiliation with God has to be first and that I'm not going to make everybody happy, right? Um, that I'm, I'm not going to, um, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to please everyone. And just knowing that it's, it's you're going to have some moments of feeling alone no matter how many affiliations you have. Ah, that seems so real. <laughs> you know, thinking about it like that, that truth, right? Yeah. You got to walk in your truth, right? You know, um, I, and I would rather walk in my truth and be, and look in the mirror and be okay with who I am um, than, than build this false identi identity of something that I never wanted to be. So in thinking back about that affiliation in, in the church and your relationship with that, people, like you said, you're affiliated with aren't respecting you or treating you with that kind of care. So how did you kind of rise above that, I guess? Um, but there were, there were, there were preachers uh, that I had witnessed from afar that I'd seen um, on a national stage um, for the Churches of Christ that I didn't even think knew who I was, right? Um, and some of them reached out and were like, don't give up. Hey, look, this happens to more people than you know. Um, you know, don't lose faith. And hearing that from them was like comforting because, you know, you, you, you think that you're alone in that moment. And then just when you're at a place of ready to give up, there's somebody within the confines of, you know, your affiliations and within the confines of your your circle that's watching and just drop some encouragement on you when you need it the most. And it's like a good reminder to try to be that for somebody else too, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Every day, right? Because I know that there's going to be an instance where somebody's going to need, somebody's going to need that encouragement like I needed that encouragement. I'm kind of curious, like how do we keep affiliations open? And I think this is a question for you as somebody who's like part of an inclusive sort of church. Well, I believe when we understand what grace is, then we have the ability to 
open up doors, right? To know that there's like this um, false portrait of who we've painted Jesus to be. Almost like he only wants to spend time with perfect people. But when like you read a story, you find out that he spent time with tax collectors, thieves, sinners, you know, he, he, he spoke messages to people that society had cast out, mm-hmm. right? That, that's his ministry. Like that's who he was. And so when we preach that grace, right, when we preach that mercy, then we have the ability to say, Hey, this is for everybody. This isn't just for like perfect people. Right. Because then what we've done is instead of, you know, facilitating a place of refuge, what we've done is we've built this club that's impermeable. Right. That's like membership access only. You refrain from that by, you know, speaking the truth, the power of who Jesus really was, man, or is. Right. That's that's the key. That whoever you are, you know, um, Wherever you are, whatever place or state in life that you are in, there's space for you. And that's that's what that's what it has to be about. Right. Um, We have a statement at Genesee Avenue. Right. From the GED to the Ph.D. Everybody matters. Because it can be kind of intimidating, you know, when you come to a church in which a high percentage of um, a high percentage of our congregation is very, very professional, right? And so you want to be a part of a ministry, but you know the guy that is over the ministry sits on this board or that board. But when you build a culture that says, hey, look, we just want people who are going to put some work in, you know, that's what we that's what we want. That's what we care about. It doesn't matter education level. It doesn't matter, you know, uh, <laughs> your past, whatever, whatever you got carry it bring it bring it to the altar give it to god he'll sort it out you know it's just for us to encourage it's for us to disciple it's for us to teach um and 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 just pray that grace and mercy has the ability to handle everything else so that's 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 the message that i try to convey um because if we're having just an honest conversation right I'm an imperfect man standing in front of imperfect people, you know, telling them about Jesus. And if I'm going to do that, then I need to be real with them. And I also have to be real with myself that I've made mistakes too. And if he can use me through all my mistakes, he can definitely use other folks. I think that's such a great, yeah, I just really hear a lot of what you're saying. And I think it's really important. And also the idea that there's a space for everybody. Yeah. So how would you recommend people kind of find their place? And their affiliation? I believe helping people find their place begins with helping them understand who they are. You know, we're all different. We all come from various backgrounds, but we all have one commonality and that's purpose, right? And and that's, that's the goal, you know, when it comes, because I believe you find your purpose then you'll find out where you should be affiliated, right? How do you help somebody find purpose? I mean, that's such a big internal question. That's huge from a biblical perspective, right? If you look at some of the ages of some of the men and women, 
that God used within their purpose. It was later on in life, right? Um, my 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 sons are really big into like comics, mm-hmm. right? And I and I know that you know I read what somewhere that like Stan Lee didn't necessarily see his first comic on screen until he was well into his 70s, 80s, you know. And so it's it's mind blowing that you know purpose can you know essentially blossom uh, no matter how old you are or young you are, right? Some people find purpose early. Um, but I believe that there's something, I always believe that there's something that you've been doing for a long time, just innately, if you will. Right. And I kind of learned that from one of my childhood friends, my best friend growing up. Cause I asked him, I was like, man, how'd you know you wanted to be a chemistry teacher? Cause I mean, this dude is super smart, you know, uh, turned down a number of jobs, doing a number of things to teach at a local high school. And now he's a principal. And he was like, man, you know, I knew I wanted to be a teacher, he said, because ever since I was younger, I've been helping people with homework. You know, I've been helping people with schoolwork. You know, and it kind of like was mind blowing to me because I was like, wait a minute. Wow, I, I've, I've never been afraid of speaking to people or, you know, stating my opinion in front of large groups or, or, or presenting facts in front of large groups. That's something that, you know, I, I don't mind doing. Um, and. And I believe that's a step to finding purpose. Uh, but I also believe you just really have to be comfortable with who you are and be unwilling to take no for an answer. You know, like if you believe it's your purpose, man, it's your purpose. And don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Because the actions of, you know, the, the, the results of the actions will tell you if something's your purpose or not. That's like such a good reminder and kind of like a good like kick in the butt sort of thing. Like don't let anyone let you forget, right? Right. Do you mind me asking, and you're kind of, I feel like you're hinting at it with the way that you realized you like to talk in front of groups. How did you find your purpose? Oh, man. You asked some really good questions. (laughs) I'll tell you that. Right. You talk about a kick in the butt for you. Me answering these questions are a reminder of the things I need to do. I hope it's fun too. No, No, yeah, it is. It, It definitely is. Uh, finding my purpose, when I was growing up, we had a morning worship, and that was usually at like 11 o'clock, right? So you get done with that around 1, 2, sometimes we go home and eat, and then we have evening worship, right? Evening worship was usually like 6 or 7 p.m. So typically, my mom, she'd load me and my three brothers up in the car, and we'd drive across town to West Dallas where my grandmother lived. We'd eat dinner there. We go to church with my grandmother in the evening time, right? And uh, the church that my grandmother was going to, uh, Brother Scranton was the the preacher at the time. And Brother Scranton was like, you know, uh, I'm, he wanted all men and boys to present a lesson at night service. And so I think I thought I was, you know, too young. And he pretty much was like, no, nah, you're going to do one too. He said, I, I, I know How old were you again? I was seven. seven. <laughs> He's like, I was seven years old. Um, and I still remember my grandfather putting a foldable chair behind the pulpit because I was too short to see over it <laughs> and standing up there and, and preaching my first sermon. What did you um, preach? Do you remember? Oh, yeah. It was just really simple. You know, it was, uh, I you know, I don't necessarily remember exactly. I know it was something about, uh, uh, you know, I think it was like First Timothy chapter 4. Uh, verse 12, I believe, like, let no man despise thy youth, uh, but be thou an example. And, and, you know, and, and, uh, 
and I just remember my grandfather helping me with that sermon, right? I think that's like a, every every kid's go-to sermon as like a kid, right, to preach that text. Um, and, uh, and, and after that, you know, just doing things at the church, um, you know, um, and then when I got to college, I ended up going to this church and the preacher there actually went to college with one of the elders from the church I grew up at. Right. Um, so I believe God has never allowed me to hide. No, you've never right? allowed me to hide. It's so, like amazing these connections that even brought you to Columbus. Right. Like your affiliations with your community are kind of what's moving you in this journey. And I know for me, it's, 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 I know for me, it's it's never something that I feel like I've crafted on my own. It's always been, you know, this puzzle piece here led to this, you know. Like, I never would have thought that Jesse Fogle knew Johnny Rogers, that they went to college together. I end up in this small town of Nacogdoches, Texas, finishing my undergraduate degree. And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, I went to college. With... It's like, <laughs> he called me and told me you was coming. It's like, okay. Right, so I always feel like there's a protection, there's a hedge, and I tried to run from it. You know, I'm not gonna lie to you. Mm-hmm. I tried to run from the affiliation. Mm-hmm. Didn't want to be affiliated with it, man. I don't, don't want to do that. I what do makes you want to run? Oh, just just trying something. Just want to do something different. Mm-hmm. You know, want to do something different that, you know, made me. I I wouldn't necessarily say because it didn't necessarily make me happy, but it made me think I was happy, because sometimes rebellion makes you feel. Like you're doing Good. Right yeah, thing. <laughs> right, totally. Because it's not what people expect, I guess, sometimes. Absolutely. Or it feels that way. Then what made you decide to come back into the fold after those? And what was your rebellious time like, if you don't mind me asking? It had some, like, high moments, like some, you know, a lot, like fun, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, but it was almost empty. Mm-hmm. Like, the friendships were essentially built on a recreational purpose and there was no depth to it right because there was Mm -hmm. no purpose in that friendship but you know just pleasing ourselves going out kicking it partying having a good time Mm -hmm. so when the party and having a good time stopped the friendship essentially ceased right and so then you kind of find yourself in this place of like loneliness and the people that are there are the people that are affiliated with your purpose and so now now it's interesting because on those long nights, you know, I'm not calling the friends to, that I partied with. I'm calling my buddy back home, mm-hmm. you know, that has seen me at my lowest moments. That's going to give me some encouragement, but also going to tell me, hey, man, you need to get yourself together. Um, and the further and further I ran from it, the harder life became. But when you embrace it, it's almost like things just work out. Uh that's that's how I would put it. You know, there's just a sense of emptiness. And once you realize that emptiness, I believe you can begin to put things in their right perspective. And it's like, again, like I'm thinking back to being alone and like what that means. And you mentioned loneliness. And it's like you can be lonely when you have affiliations and you could feel that. But it seems like maybe there's people you can call. Like maybe that's the difference. Right. Or being OK with being by yourself. Yeah. being OK with being yourself. But knowing that there's still people that care for you. And I, and I think that those feelings of, you know, I think being alone and being lonely sometimes can be two different things, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, I can be 
alone and be okay. Right? By myself, I'm good. I'm all right. Um, but I could also be feeling lonely and, you know, not necessarily being be okay because nobody really understands what I'm going through. Even those that are within the confines of what I'm affiliated with, they, mm -hmm. they can miss it. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many times have, you know, your friends, like you find out that one of your friends is going through something and you're like, wow, I had no idea. Right. Any community resources that you would recommend for folks who are kind of looking for affiliations that have been helpful maybe for you or you've seen other others benefit from? Yeah. I mean, I'm always going to recommend the Lord, man. I, You know, uh, I believe... Uh, you know, a good affiliation. You know, finding a good church to become a part of in the community. If 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 it's not church, then you know, finding an organization that helps you give back to the people that gave to you. Um, and those resources can be found in a lot of ways. Um, I know he, even here in the area in the community, um, you know, you got St. Stephen's, you got the Care Coalition. Um, there's a number of other places, number of organizations. Um, you know, I, I, there's a there's there's a gentleman that's um, in the cohort with me. He has a program for young men called the Urban Scouts. Um, um, there's a number of, of, of churches around here that aren't just helping people, uh, you know, spiritually, but helping people economically. Right. Um, there's, you know, your, your various social justice organizations, um, you know, you'd be surprised what you find on a bulletin board at the library. Right. Um, and, and I and I, I think that's a, a key, too, is that we also need people in our community that inform and educate people in our community about what resources are available to them. Right? Because sometimes if you're not in the right space. You don't know what's available. And um, and, and, and that's what I believe that. You know, we should be that we shouldn't be in competition with each other, but that, you know, I may not have this program, but guess what? You know, I know this organization down the street has this program. Let me let me show you where it is. Matter of fact, hey, get in the car with me. Let me drive you over there so you can see so I can connect you because mm -hmm. I know the people. Mm -hmm. Right. I think that's the big the big because today happened because of, you know, affiliations and connections. Yeah, right. Right. And we've been talking about affiliations this whole time. I'm just curious. You know, let's put the dictionary definition aside real quick. Uh -huh. How do you define it? I don't, I don't even know if I know the dictionary definition. <laughs> I don't know that I do either. <laughs> but I think uh, being and not only being a part of something, but belonging to the mission and vision of something. I think that's affiliation. Right. That, you know, I'm here for a common goal. Not to just say I'm a part but that I want to see this goal go through. That's what I think it is. I love that definition. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Is there anything you can kind of leave people with as they're walking and listening to your story and your, and our discussion? To use this time to take a deep dive in accomplishing something that means a lot to you. You know, if you want to write a book, write the book. If, if you want to start a podcast, start the podcast. You want to learn how to paint, play the piano. You want to read a book that's been on your shelf collecting dust. Do that. Like, take this time right now to do that. Like this time, like this time during the pandemic. This time during the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, I feel like one of the hardest things to do is make friends as an adult. I know. 
it's so easy when you're thrown in a classroom and you're like, oh, like I like your shoes. I like your shoes. Right. Let's be friends. Right. But when you're an adult, it's like, why are you talking to me? Yeah, right. What do you want? There's right. a lot more suspicion. Right. A lot of suspicion. So, um, you know, in this moment, man, you know, uh, just don't be afraid to put yourself out there. I think that's what I'll leave everybody with. We hope that your walk through Linden leaves you rejuvenated and this story brings you inspiration. Again, this was brought to you by Active Linden, the Columbus Care Coalition, and the Department of Neighborhoods. This episode focused on important resilience factor, affiliation. For more information and resource, visit the websites of the Department of Neighborhoods, Columbus Public Health, and Primary One. We were inspired by Girl Trek's Black History Bootcamp podcast. Check them out for more walking inspiration.